there, and welcome to In My Words, Jumo's podcast series that brings the experiences of real patients directly to you. At Jumo, we provide resources for children and families to understand, manage, and own their health. Sign up for free at jumohealth.com. Hi there, this is Christy in Melbourne, Australia. Here we are for our fourth episode on multiple sclerosis. To our returning listeners, welcome back. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We've been hearing from Adriana, an MS advocate who has been sharing her MS story with us. In today's episode, we'll be talking about health and lifestyle. Adriana will share with us how MS has impacted her career, the biggest changes to her lifestyle, and her tips for living a healthy life. We'll hear from MS nurse Belinda Bardsley and Dr. Boggold, who will talk about the impact of MS on a person's work and career activities and share their expertise on making healthy lifestyle choices. As for many patients, when diagnosed with MS, Adriana was very much focused on her career when she found out she had MS. Adriana, could you tell us how MS has impacted your career? When I was diagnosed, I was an accountant and I just recently... Well, I finished my CPA at the same time, so I was studying um, for that, working full-time. I was in a quite a stressful position, so I had a team under me and I had my own clients and things like that, so I used to work long hours. Sometimes I'd go in on my weekends, but I just was a stress head. I enjoyed that high-intensity work life. That was just me, like I was a very last minute person, (laughs) had a lot of stress, it was a stressful environment, it was a stressful job, but I loved it. When I was diagnosed, I did return to work for a couple of weeks and I just couldn't do it. Like my employers were really good, they did know what had happened and I did take a month off work, but I was in a really bad headspace and I just didn't wanna be there and I just didn't care anymore. And it was difficult to type, I forgot to mention that before, I couldn't type on the computers anymore because I couldn't feel the keys and I just felt useless. I felt like rubbish. So I decided to quit my job with the support of my family and my husband. And I did so and I didn't work for six months after that. Or eight months, yeah. I took eight months off work. I didn't return to that job. They were amazing though. They helped me a lot when I left and whilst I was getting diagnosed, they were amazing. But I never wanted to go back to work. That was it. I thought, I can't ever be an accountant. What a waste of my life. Why did I study? Why did I do this? And then an old friend who we worked together years ago, he was my first manager when I first started as, out as an accountant, he started his own business and he called me up and offered me a job. And he said he really, really needed an accountant to work for him. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll come and help out. And when I went in, I realised that he created the position for me so I'd go back into the workforce. So we worked well as a team, so I worked for him for four years. And if it wasn't for him, that part of my life would have been missing. All the things that I worked really hard for, I felt like were taken away from me. So he helped me to keep that and keep that part of myself, which I think was really important. And moving on from that, I started my own home-based business once we decided to start thinking about kids because I knew that it would be very difficult for me to manage kids, my health and home life together. So I started my own bookkeeping business 
which I got off the ground before I had the kids and I still currently have my set five clients that I do work for um, when the kids are sleeping that is. But talking to my boss back then, so he obviously knew I had MS because we had a personal relationship, but I was just very, very transparent, open with him the whole time I worked with him about how I was feeling or where I was at. And we tailored my days based on that, um, which was really good because he got more out of me on the good days and there was no point me being there on my bad days and wasting his time, wasting the client's time and wasting my own. So I was very, very transparent. I was very lucky in that sense because I know a lot of people don't have that, but I think sometimes they don't have that because they don't open up. It is a really big thing to factor in whether you're going to discuss it with your employer or not. But again, for me, if I couldn't work in a supporting environment where they were going to let me put my health first, then I don't think I could have worked for them in the first place. So that would have changed me going back to work. If my health was not allowed to be number one for me, then there was no point in me going back to work at all. So, yeah, I was very, very lucky in that sense. Clearly, a chronic condition like multiple sclerosis has the potential to significantly impact someone's working life. In the era prior to treatment, it was said that up to 50% of patients with MS would be unemployed just five years after diagnosis. I don't think this is the case any longer and certainly some Australian data recently suggests that that situation has improved markedly uh, in the last five to ten years. Nevertheless, the interaction of MS and employment is clearly another major area. In general, I'd encourage openness. I'd certainly encourage most of my patients to discuss their diagnosis with their employer and with their colleagues so that sensible adaptations can be made with hopefully limited impact on their employment and their day-to-day -day work, but simply to make the changes that make life easier. A patient's capacity to work will be very much governed by how significant their symptoms are and what their symptoms are. And always, again, when a patient is newly diagnosed, it feels like the ground has fallen from beneath them. And many times they can't see the wood for the trees and they, they, they can't see themselves getting back to work. Again, usually say to them, just give yourself some time and some space. And I see things being very, very different in a couple of months, usually. You know, that time of diagnosis is usually because they've had some horrible relapse that's brought them to the attention of, of us. And sometimes it's, it's quite traumatic and quite a profound relapse. And generally speaking, things will settle down and their symptoms will improve quite dramatically over a couple of weeks. And then within a couple of months, often things have settled right down, even if they've had a terrible, terrible relapse. Often within three months' time, they're often quite back to normal. So I usually encourage them to just really take some time and not do anything drastic about work. Take some leave, you know, do what they need to do to just sort of buy some time and then reflect on and, and do what they need to do to sort of just mark time for a bit. And sometimes things are far milder and they can just, you know, limp along at work and get by and not need to do anything at all. So depending on the severity of the relapse. So I certainly wouldn't be advising people to make any big changes or any drastic decisions at that time and rather just do what they can to sort of to buy some time. In terms of disclosure in the workplace, again, that, that will depend on how severe it is and how much time they need off. And if they, 
if they need to disclose that something's happened to them and they need to disclose what has happened and what the diagnosis is, then they have to, fine. But if they can get by with the bare minimum, usually my advice is to sort of keep that disclosure for a later date because unfortunately sometimes their career prospects are you know, impacted by a diagnosis. They shouldn't be, but sometimes they are, and we hear that anecdotally from our patients. So if they can take their time to disclose, once they're fully aware of how they've recovered and, and what their workplace is likely to do with that information, I think it's better. Really, I think it's most important that they disclose when they're comfortable with the diagnosis and they're ready rather than being forced into it because of circumstances. But that really does depend on how severe their their relapse is and how much time they require to take off work. As we've heard, MS can impact your ability and desire to work. If you're concerned about the impact of your MS on your work life, you can reach out to MS Australia for more information. Not only can MS impact one's working life, MS can impact a person's lifestyle in many other ways. Adriana, could you tell us in what other ways MS has impacted your health and lifestyle and what have been some of the biggest changes for you? MS has impacted my lifestyle, I'll be honest, in the beginning it impacted it badly, but as time has gone on it's impacted it a lot better. I put a lot of effort into my health and well-being, whereas before I did not. I used to be a smoker, I used to go out a lot. Well, I was 26, so, you know, I was I was young and I liked to party a bit. And now I don't, so I haven't smoked for since I was diagnosed. So um, that, I eat a lot better. I take really good care of myself. So in terms of my lifestyle, I'm actually a lot healthier overall, although I do have MS, but my general health is a lot better. I've learnt to like exercise. It's become part of my daily routine. I'm a more organised person. I'm a lot happier. I don't have negativity around me. I'll be honest, my lifestyle has been impacted in a positive way. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I don't think there's things that I can't do just because I have MS. And if someone told me, oh, you couldn't do that because you've got MS, it would encourage me to want to do it more and put things in place so I could do it. So I guess it's not just my lifestyle, it's changed my mindset. I am a lot stronger. The biggest change adjustment, I guess, is, you know, you have to really put importance on taking care of yourself and, you know, my medications and things. Like, you can't be like, oh, I forgot to take this or I forgot to take that. Like, you need to do what you need to do to stay healthy. So that's a big, that was a big adjustment because before that I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I never really put importance on taking care of myself. Like, if I ate McDonald's three times a day because I was so busy, then I would. Whereas now I make sure that, I take good care of myself because taking good care of myself on the inside is helping not just my general health but my overall well-being and how well I am with my MS. So that was one of the things but I think the biggest thing was my independence was taken away. So I was very independent. I never really wanted to rely on people. I've always had people there to rely on but I never relied on others and now that's something that I've had to get used to and now it's just part of my life. Like. I have a great support and I have no issues asking for help when I need it. And that was a massive thing. I never could do that before. Too proud or just too stubborn. I was too stubborn, let's use that word. I feel like the biggest challenge in managing my health and lifestyle, it's become like a full-time job. I guess because I don't have a full-time job, managing my health has become that. 
Yeah, I get up every morning and we have uh, the things I need to do for the day. Usually you do that for work, but for me it's like, okay, you need to get up, you need to go to the gym or go for a walk. When you get home, you need to eat this and take these medications or these herbal things or whatever. Uh, In the afternoon, you need to sit down and, you know, have a cup of tea and focus on, like, not meditation, but I like to have quiet time for myself just to regroup. That doesn't happen all the time, but at the end of the day, I have time on my own. Um, So I guess for me, it's just, it's a big deal, like to put that much effort into your health. But in saying that, like if I didn't do it, I would be worse off for it. A lot of my appointments and things like that are medical related, whether that be doctor's appointments or alternative therapy appointments and things like that. So, you know, sometimes that can be financially burdening, but we make it work. So I put more importance in those things than we do in other things, like we can go without other things in our life but we've always said that you know whatever appointments that I need to go to we will I never say no to going regularly to do whatever I have to yeah especially with my gym personal training getting acupuncture and you know seeing the specialists that I'd like to see we make sure that that's first and foremost on our list of things we need to pay for I guess yeah that's hard but it's what we need to do thank you Adriana Belinda Based on your experiences with the patients you see, what are some of the complications of MS that have the biggest effect on a patient's lifestyle? I I think fatigue is almost universal across patients with MS and it can be that that sort of crushing fatigue that really wipes them out for days if they they haven't sort of taken that sort of recharge time that they need. Particularly in the afternoons, it can be really, really difficult. It can make it hard for them to socialise, hard for them to work hard for them to stay in in the workplace that can be a big difficulty and I think pain is a big big problem I think pain is a bigger uh, a more significant symptom of MS than most people realize and it can be a very difficult one for us to treat as clinicians and and MS nurses very problematic symptom neuropathic pain is is a very stubborn difficult symptom to treat and it's that can be really soul destroying pain for people you know to live with chronic pain is just awful i think um, continence issues are also incredibly awful for people to have to deal with and embarrassing humiliating just devastating they often cut people off socially they cut people off from the workplace they're hard for them to talk about they're hard for them to manage and deal with they're hard for them in relationships they're just devastating and that's why we specifically employed a nurse who had skills in that area because we wanted people to be able to access care and management and support and and expertise in that in that regard that's a big big problem and I think sexual dysfunction too is is very underreported and a difficult area to manage as well Um, in terms of both incontinence and sexual dysfunction uh, you know I'd strongly urge patients to report it if it's occurring because there are things that can be done there are both medicines that we can utilize but there are also a lot of management techniques that we can look at we can refer to to urology experts gastroenterology experts and sexual therapists there's a lot that we can that we can utilize to both assess adequately assess it and manage it 
and and I think people just don't report it because they think that there's nothing that can be done but there is a lot that can be done to support and manage and properly assess and deal with this so I would really urge people to actually disclose that this is a this is a symptom they're struggling with because they quietly struggle and and it's it's tearing them apart and I, I really encourage them to to do something about it. As we've heard, MS will no doubt have an impact on a person's lifestyle, but fortunately, making healthy lifestyle choices can make a big difference in the lives of people living with MS. Clearly for patients with a lifelong neurological condition like multiple sclerosis, it's important to maintain good overall health and well-being, not knowing quite what the future holds as far as their disease is concerned. Research on lifestyle factors in MS is obviously difficult to do and we're reliant on large epidemiological studies but there clearly is evidence for a number of simple interventions to try and improve outcome in MS. There is good evidence that smoking is an adverse factor and patients with MS should be strongly encouraged not to smoke. MS risk is higher in smokers and MS outcomes in all measures are worse in patients who continue to smoke. There is evidence that vitamin D deficiency via sunlight exposure is possibly also a factor for both disease causation and perhaps disease activity. And again, I'd actively encourage patients to look at their vitamin D levels and consider maybe getting some non-tanning sun exposure. Not difficult here in Townsville. There is also evidence for some dietary changes. This is much more difficult research to do and rather more contentious, but I certainly encourage my patients to look at a more Mediterranean diet, so greater intake of fruit and vegetables, perhaps less saturated fat intake, and I think that's a reasonable intervention. It's an intervention which is probably also good for a number of other long-term health conditions and is not an overly restrictive change. Obviously, MS imposes its own restrictions on patients and we don't want to be advising anything which makes life more difficult in this respect. But I think those simple changes to lifestyle, if maintained long-term, probably do improve the outcome for our patients. I've had the good fortune to work with a number of very good physiotherapists in the MS services that I've worked for and clearly seen the benefits of early engagement with physios to encourage patients at the time of diagnosis to consider regular exercise. And there's little doubt that patients who do take up a regular exercise regime, even in very early MS, are going to be improving their overall fitness and well-being and ability to deal with whatever MS throws at them. So I would actively encourage our patients to be considering regular exercise, be it swimming, walking, running, whatever actually suits them. There's no strong advice for any particular form of exercise, but I think it's important to be maintaining good cardiovascular well-being. I think the most important lifestyle choice that a patient can make is to quit smoking if they're smokers maintain a healthy weight, follow a good, sensible, healthy, moderate diet, and exercise in moderation. They would probably be my top tips for a healthy lifestyle. I think too, keeping a positive outlook without being over the top about it or sort of particularly new agey about it, there's a lot to be very positive about with this diagnosis, even though it sounds grim at the beginning and newly diagnosed people, it seems incredibly bleak. But there are a lot of very effective therapies out there. There are a lot of very good symptomatic treatments as well. And I usually encourage people to think of this as, you know, not something that controls them, but just something that they can live their lives with and hopefully put to the background as much as possible. 
So trying to have positive things to look forward to in life, trying not to focus on MS as the be all and end all. MS is obviously a lifelong condition. And for those patients in whom we're making this diagnosis, often who've had no experience of previous illness, it clearly is life changing. And I think should make people reassess how they manage their lives. They clearly need to be looking after their general health to optimize their long-term well-being. And this may be a novel thought process for some of our 30-year-old patients who've considered themselves immortal and not, this is never going to happen to me, that they really need to think that if I'm going to manage this disease long-term, then it's imperative that I look after my general health, whether it be exercise, weight, smoking habits, really to give themselves the best chance of a good long-term outcome. And it can't be emphasized enough that for our patients treated in 2018, we should be looking for most of our relapsing patients to be well into their 40s, 50s and 60s. And I'm optimistic that the vision of MS patients in wheelchairs will become something that we have largely moved on from in 15 to 20 years. Living well with MS means that one needs to consider making positive changes to their life. Adriana, what health and lifestyle advice do you have for our listeners newly diagnosed with MS? Your life is going to change. I'm not going to lie. You can't just go about your business having MS and keeping the life you already had. You can try, but I think something's got to give. Like if you want to stay well, you have to do some things to help yourself, whether that's, you know, going on a course of treatment, If you're not, you need to do some alternative things to help yourself, like eating well, taking care of yourself. Basically, that's the underlying thing. You need to take good care of yourself from any aspect. So if that's the one thing you're going to do, I'd say do that. Just put a bit more effort into having a good night's sleep, going for a walk a few times a week and just, you know, eat well because those things actually help with anything. That's a big thing. Just make some change to your health and well-being and whatever else you choose to do that's you know it's going to help but this is one thing that I think is a must. In my words living a healthy lifestyle with MS means that I've just given myself the best chance at, at life. Yes I did get diagnosed with MS and yes it is a terrible disease but I choose to do all these things to help where I can. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket and say that, well, I'm on medication, that will help. Or I eat really well, that's gonna help. I try to do a whole variety of things that work for me in my life to give myself the best fighting chance. Because at the end of the day, I may not get worse with MS, I may stay the way I am, but I can still get any other illness out there. Just because I have this does not mean that I'm never gonna get anything else. So I wanna make sure that my health and well-being is under control to prevent you know other things happening to me and it just makes me feel better about myself knowing that I've helped myself and I'm doing everything in my power to remain healthy where I can. At the end of the day you can't control MS but I can control all those smaller aspects that impact the severity of it so that's what it means for me to live a healthy lifestyle. I'm always going to have MS but I don't want it to take my life away and I won't let it. 
powerful words from Adriana, who we'd like to thank for being so open and honest about her experiences on how MS has affected her career and life, and how she approaches living a healthy lifestyle. As we've heard, MS can seem like a terrible thing at first, but with healthy lifestyle changes and a positive outlook, one can adapt to living with MS and continue to enjoy life. As always, we'd like to thank MS nurse Belinda Bardsley and Dr. Mike Boggold for their insight, guidance and suggestions on health and lifestyle. Next time on In My Words, our final episode on MS, we'll be talking about raising a family. Stay tuned. We produce this podcast using excerpts from interviews with Adriana, Belinda Bardsley and Dr. Mike Boggold. You can watch a day in the life of Adriana in her In My Shoes video. The link to the video can be found in the show notes. This episode has kindly been supported by MS Australia and sponsored by Roche Pharmaceuticals Australia, material number 37562681 and prepared in May 2018. Thanks for listening. Interested in hearing something special? or want us to help share your story, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. The health information contained in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. In My Words is produced in New York City and distributed worldwide. In My Words, a Jumo production.